Okay, so here's what we're going to do tonight. We, uh, next week, are going to be starting a whole new book of the Bible, and I have a feeling it's going to take ever, forever and ever. But tonight, we're just going to do like a one-off sermon on uh, a, a passage that's like particularly important for abide. It's part of where we got our name. Um, there's like two passages that talk about abiding in the Bible. John 15, right? Like, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. And then Psalm 91. And tonight, we're going to focus on Psalm 91. So if you want to flip to Psalm 91. We're going to read like the whole chapter. And this is going to be just like a, just a reminder of like, honestly, one of the most important um, metaphors of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to uh, walk with God, abiding with him. So Psalm 91, I'll read the whole thing. Um, and I'll just like preface it with this. Um, this metaphor of abiding is, you could argue, is like the most important metaphor to follow Jesus. Uh, like, you know, we, we talk about, okay, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Like, maybe uh, reaching the lost. Maybe it's, like, the, going to the nations. Maybe it's social justice, caring for the poor. Uh, we talk about, like, maybe it's just being holy and walking with Jesus. Maybe it's, like, man, I need to, like, give my school over to Jesus or my, like, job over to Jesus or my relationships over to Jesus. And those are all good things. But listen, here's, this is, like, this is almost the whole sermon. If you are not in love with Jesus and you don't spend time with Jesus, if you don't like abide with Jesus, all that other stuff is actually useless. Like being holy, no point. Like telling people about Jesus, if you don't love him, like it's, it's worthless. But if you abide and love Jesus, all that other stuff will follow. Like this metaphor is arguably like the most important picture of what it is to walk with God. So we're going to read Psalm 91. We'll read the whole chapter and then we will get into it. So Psalm 91 says this, he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler which is like a trap, and from the deadly pestilence, which is a disease. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right side, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder the young lion and the serpent, you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, God says, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's God's word. Let's pray. Jesus, you and your word are, are such a gift to us. Thank you that you, you, God, speak. This is you speaking. And so I just ask, Holy Spirit, you would come. You'd make this time so meaningful, Lord, that this would not be just 
this would be nothing of any of our ideas, God, but that we would just be seeking to hear what you have said, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you convict us or we need to be convicted? Would you encourage us? Would you lift us up or we need to be lifted? Would you increase our faith? God, would you save if some of us don't even have hearts that trust you yet, Lord? Would you meet with us? We right now are just abiding. We're like sitting at your feet, opening your words. Would you come now, Lord? We're calling to you. Meet with us. Make this time worth our Friday night. This isn't just us coming and hearing good ideas. Like we wanna, we wanna meet with you, God. So would you come? It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so to abide. What does it mean to abide, right? It's not really a word we use much. Um, And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at three things from this chapter that what it means to abide. Uh, The first one is this. To abide means, to abide in the Lord, means number one, to like make the Lord your shelter, like, like a literal house or a building or a tower. Like it means to make the Lord your shelter. Like a good shelter makes all the difference. Uh, my wife and I, during the break, we went camping uh, to like Northern Arizona area, which you'd never know, but it's so beautiful and there's woods and trees and it was awesome. There was coyotes that you could like howl and they would howl back. Literally, it's the best. So, okay, we're up there um, and we went to this place called Lake Powell for the day. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Lake Powell or been to Lake Powell. It's like this massive reservoir. Uh, we've never been there. We're like sitting on the beach in Arizona And all of a sudden, like, the wind just picks up, like, insane. Like, you see it coming, and then we just get blasted with this crazy sandstorm. So, like, people's easy-ups and, and, uh, like, umbrellas are just, like, flying away into the lake. And people are just grabbing all their things. And we, we just came in my truck, but we, like, parked pretty far away. We had our dog. We had all this stuff. And we were like, what should we do right now? Like you couldn't see. It was almost like the end of the world. And we ran to this like tent trailer, you know, like a, like a pop-up trailer. And we're just like hiding in this as the wind is just going and you can't even see anything. And then after like this windstorm for five minutes, it's just the most insane thunder and lightning storm after that, okay? So then it's just thunder and lightning and the whole world's ending. And we're like nestled under, a, like on the side of a tent trailer. Like that's the best we could do. And they weren't there. So I didn't like feel that bad. I'm like, crouching down and it just kept going and going and your eyes like you couldn't see and I'll just say it was not a good shelter and we like suffered for it it was kind of cool but by the end like every bit of your body had sand in it like I was chewing sand for like three days later like oh yeah there's sand I'm eating and there's still sand somehow in my mouth like it was not a good shelter and you paid for it then I've been on a vacation and I've literally been in like a blizzard in Montana but I was in like this amazing cabin with this huge fireplace and it was like the best experience of my life, right? Like blizzard, you would die. And I'm like, no, I'm chilling. I have a good shelter. I am fine. To abide in the Lord means to like make him your shelter, like a hiding place, a refuge. Like we take a lot of pride in like what we make and what we build for ourselves. Like we put our trust in things that we do, right? So maybe for you, it's like, hey, I'm going to build an awesome career. Maybe for you, it's I'm going to build, I'm going to get really good grades. For some of us, it's like my, my resume, I'm building, I'm trusting in my resume. Eventually, if not already, it's going to be your bank account. Like it's just going to be like, when I look at my bank account, I'm like, yes, I'm safe. Probably for most of us, we're like not trusting in my bank account right now. It stresses me out. Uh, maybe for, for you, it's like, 
connections, like who I know. Like I get to, I, I am well connected. I know that I could call up this person and like it would, it would they'd be able to help me make, make something happen for me. Maybe if literally like, again, like when we, we grow up or whatever, it's like a literal home. Like this is your dream home. Like this is what I put my hope in. Like I have my home. And this is what God is saying. Hey, don't put your trust in those things. They're not bad things, but they will be a bad shelter. They'll be like hiding from thunder and lightning and wind like next to a tent trailer. He's saying, listen, put your trust in me. Don't put your hope and find your refuge in a good job. Like even if you get it one day, don't put your hope in that. Find your hope and your rest and your refuge in me. Don't put your hope in your bank account uh, and don't be despaired if your bank account can't take care of you. Don't put your hope in your relationships. Don't put your hope in any of those things. Find your like, when you go to sleep at night, know like I am safe because I know the Lord. That's what God's saying. Like make your hope and your shelter in me. An- another quick side note. Um, do you, you guys obviously, probably most of us experience some form of spiritual warfare, like, you know, whatever, Satan, demons, bad dreams, fear, whatever. Um, God is saying here, he's like, hey, I am a safe place from all that craziness in like the spiritual realm. Maybe some of you guys, uh, like I, my heart can freak out when I look at the news. I'm like, what is, like, we're probably gonna get bombed because Trump's making the whole world our enemies. Like I get, honestly, I'm like, this maybe isn't good. And God is saying, listen, spiritual warfare, like literal warfare, put your hope in me. He says in this uh, passage, he will be a shield and a buckler. Does anybody know what a buckler is? I didn't know. Does anybody know? What is it? Yeah, okay. So when I looked it up, it's like a shield that covers your back. It's a shield that's not like, so you get your shield, but God is saying, hey, I'm a shield and a buckler. Like I've like literally got your back. He's saying you get like double armor. So this is the thing. You want protection from Satan. He's like, go, go be with me. Come hang out with me. You are, are you like afraid of some enemy out there? Like come hang out with me. Are you, are you being like attacked? Like I've experienced some spiritual warfare. He's like, listen, here's the answer. Come hang out with me. Spend time with me. Let me. When you're with me, when you're abiding in me, when you're putting your trust in me, I will protect you. Like Jesus uh, is the best protection. When I was in high school, I'm like a year younger for my grade and I was like particularly very skinny and small in high school. Um, but I was also a little bit of a punk. So like when I was a freshman, the, all I got like, kind of picked on, but I didn't mind. I was like, oh yeah, go ahead, pick on me. But I like the upper class one, right? And so what I did was like, I made friends with very big guys, like really big guys. And I was like, I just felt fine. I could walk around all cocky, like go ahead, try and mess with me. Because Davey over here is like, his hands, his fingers are like sausages. Like good luck fighting with Davey. And so I would walk around like that. God's like, listen, do you have enemies? Are you afraid? Hang out with me, abide in me, make your shelter in me. Now, I love this because he says, he says, I'm like a refuge and a fortress, right? So practically, he's like, just picture this big tower, right? This is a safe, big tower, like, like, a, like a lighthouse, right? Like wind and waves, you're safe. But here's the thing. When you think of a lighthouse or a tower, when I think of that, I think it's kind of cold, right? Like just cold rocks, like, yeah, I'm safe, but I'm not like, comf- I'm not like relaxing in my lighthouse. And so then he also uses this metaphor in verse four. Look, he will cover you with his pinions 
Under his wings, you will find refuge. So I didn't know what pinions mean. It just means wings, okay? So he's saying, listen, I'm like a lighthouse. I'm like a tower and I'm safe. But do you know what I'm also like? He says, I'm likening my, I'm like a mother bird who takes in her young and like nestles them in to her wings. He's like, that is also what I'm like. Yes, I'm like this tower where you're like safe, but he's also saying like, make like your home in me, like be cozy, like nestle on into me. The word abide has that, that like phrase of like a home. Like God is saying like, hey, make me your home. I'm like this awesome tower and I'm safe, but also like make me your home. Um, my wife and I are moving tomorrow and it's cool. Like you're excited to go to a new place, but for me, it's, I'm like, I just feel disheveled. I just feel like I can't relax because all my comfy places are like boxed up and it's just chaos. And I'm just sitting there looking at a, at a mess. And like, I just feel like I don't even want to be in my home because I'm just stressed out. I can't rest. There's nowhere to rest. And Jesus was literally during this sermon was like, hey, do you know what? I'm your home. You, I am your home. Yeah, life is crazy. Your life may be crazy. Your literal home where your parents live may not be home for you. And Jesus is saying, listen, like I'm your home. I am your home. Wherever you go, wherever you live, God's saying like, listen, make like your home in me. Home is like where Jesus is. Uh, This passage they think was probably written by Moses, which if you know anything about Moses, his home, he started living in Egypt and then he went and lived in the desert for 40 years. And then he like wandered the desert for 40 years. So he spent 120 years all over the place. And what he's saying is like, listen, but my home was with the Lord. I was all over the place. Life felt crazy, but I had a home with the Lord. And one more picture of that is Abraham. You guys know Abraham. God said, listen, I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your family. And and I'm going to have you spend the rest of your life in a tent. Like, think about that. Think if God was like, I want you to leave your your family. I want you to leave a home and you're going to pitch a tent for the rest of your life. And here's what he's saying. There's this awesome verse where it says, Abraham built an altar to the Lord and then he pitched his tent. Like Abraham knew, and this is so profound, this world is not your home. Like listen, that, that's so important. This world and this life and your jobs and these relationships and your bank account and everything, it's not your home. This is not your home. The Lord is your home. The Lord is the dwelling place for your soul. And God is saying, listen, to abide in me means to like, Let your heart and your soul know that I am home. I'm safety, but I'm also home. That's the first thing it means to abide in the Lord. The second thing is this. To abide in the Lord is to hold fast to the Lord. He says that in verse 14. He says, he holds fast to me in love. Um, Listen, our generations, honestly, it's pretty rad. Like we have a cool generation. We're like an action generation. We're kind of like the rich young ruler, like, listen, what do I need to do, Jesus, to be saved? Well, I'll do whatever you want. Like, I'll do something, I'll serve, I'll give social justice, I'll go anywhere in the world, I'll do anything you want. But do you know what God wants most from you? You know what God wants most from your life? He wants you to hold fast to him. If you were like, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere. Do you know what he would say? He would say, hey, hold fast to me. I want you to hold onto me and not let go. Listen, this is so important. The greatest challenge to following Jesus is simply holding on to him and not letting go. That's like the challenge. When life goes wrong, when people let you down, when things don't make sense, the greatest 
and most profound challenge in following Jesus is simply holding on to him. Like abiding, like I'm not letting go. And you know what? All of the nonsense that we do, all of the sin in our life, do you know where that comes from? It comes from letting go of Jesus. That's like the root. That's where it starts. You know what? I'm done with Jesus. Nonsense will come. And you know all the goodness and all the sacrifice and all the love for people in the world comes when you are holding on to Jesus. Jesus is like, you're a sheep and I'm a shepherd and you're not very smart because you're a sheep, but here's your job. Follow me. I'll lead you in paths of righteousness. I'll lead some of you to go preach the gospel to some country where it's illegal. I'll lead others of you to have a quiet life here. I'll lead you where I want you to go. Here's your job. Stay close to me. Like, listen to me. Walk with me. Don't let go of me. There's this kind of like scandalous picture uh, in Jeremiah where God is speaking to Jeremiah about Israel. And this is what he says. Uh, Jeremiah 13, 11, listen. For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, what he's saying is underwear. Like, listen, as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I have made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory. But they would not listen. Like, you were literally designed to, like, be like this elastic band around God's waist. He's like, listen, you need me. You have an elastic band around nothing, it's gonna fall down. It's not, it's, we were made to cling to God. We try and cling to anything else. It's not, it's like wearing underwear on your head. It's ridiculous. Like you're not made for that. You were made to cling to the Lord. And this is funny. Like the Lord's the only thing that will support you. He's the only thing that we're just gonna be like, this is what I was made for. It's like, a, this is like God's ridiculous ideas. Like that's what it's like. I, you, you were made to hold fast to the Lord. And, and notice, uh, the, the promises of this chapter in Psalm 91 come from a continual abiding, clinging to the presence of God, okay? Not, hey, you want all these things? Do a quick check-in with the Lord once a week. That's not abiding. That's not clinging. That's like, oh, I'm checking in. All of the, the blessings come from like, holding fast to the Lord, which get really practical. That means like actually spending your time with Jesus, like on your own, actually spending like your own time with God in his word, in his creation, with his people. And as you like linger in his presence, as you hold on to him, all like this fruit and this growth and this change comes. It's like people that you love to hang out with. It's like, I don't know if you're like me, there's like good books you like. You're like, I just, I don't want this story to end. I don't want this TV show to end. Like, I just want to like hang out. I just want to linger in that. That's like what it is to be with Jesus. Like, I just want to be with him. And listen, if we're honest, if I'm honest, I don't like crave to read my Bible every day. And like, oh, I just can't wait. But that's part of like holding fast. You know what? I don't want to, but I'm not letting go. I will cling because I know I was made for this. So don't feel crazy when you're like, God, I'm trying to hang out with you and I don't want to. Listen, don't let go. Just hold fast, hold on, cling. It will be worth it. Um, I think some of us are like, yeah, it's hard to do that, to abide, to cling to God because I'm really busy. Or here's mine. Every day I 
I'm like kind of a stressed out person. And like, I think of all this work I have to do and I feel like spending time with Jesus is, is gonna like, I'm not, I have other important things to do, right? Like we have work to do. We have whatever, homework to do. We have people to do. Like, and, and so it's hard for me to cling. Maybe for others of us, we're like just clinging to other things. Like maybe it's money or a career or relationships. Like we wanna make sure we're okay. And sometimes we're like clinging to the Lord. Is that, is that really gonna do anything? Now listen, this is awesome. This is what this chapter talks about. Incredible protection and provision come when we hold fast to Jesus. Provision and protection comes. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, he says, I will deliver him and I will protect him. Uh, I just want to say that again. It's so important. Provision and protection come when we hold fast to Jesus. Um, I've been reading some fiction and I'm embarrassed to tell you what I've been reading, so I'm not going to, but this image is in my head and it's awesome, okay? Holding fast to Jesus, because we're like, I can't hold on to God because I'm not going to be taken care of. I can't, I'm not holding on to God because like, I, I need protection, I need provision, I, I can do a better job taking care of myself. Listen, when you hold on to God, it's like holding on to the back of a dragon, okay? Just, just humor me for a second because it's going to make sense. Uh, you need protection when you're like clinging on to the back of a dragon, like, no, that dragon can kill anything in your path, right? Like, you're not, like, afraid of people. You're not afraid of, like, you're like, I'm safe on the back of this dragon. I don't need protection. Do you need provision? Do you need deliverance? Like, all you need to do is hold on to the dragon. Like, he's gonna, like, nothing can face that dragon. Our strength comes from, like, the dragon's strength, right? Uh, I don't have, it would be ridiculous if you were on the back of a dragon to, like, dragon, let me help you fight. Like, listen, just hold on right? And he's going to take care. He's going to kill, do whatever he needs to do for you. Our strength actually comes from our weakness when we're holding on a dragon. Just hold on. Let the dragon take care of us. Don't hold on to our strength, our might, our wisdom. It's like, just hold on to the Lord. He is actually able to deliver you and provide for you and protect you. God is literally able to. He spoke and the universe came. Hold on to him. Abide with him. Like Cling to him and he will provide for you. And then the third and last thing uh, Psalm 91 has for us about like what it means to abide is this. To abide in the Lord, number three, means to call out, to cry out to him in times of need. Verse 15 says, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. To abide is like when you're in trouble, when you're stressed, when you're overwhelmed, when you face whatever you're facing, he says, cry out to me. Let me deliver you. It's like holding on to him in a sense. It's like calling. It's like, God, I need you. Our, listen, your greatest strength and hope in this life is that there is actually a God out there who can come and take care of you in your time of need. That's your greatest strength. I don't care how smart or talented or rich or connected you are, the greatest thing going for you is that there is a God out there who answers you when you call to him. Like he's far more able and smart and knows all that we need. And listen, this is what he says, call out to me. To call, it's not weakness, it's literally your greatest strength. It's your greatest hope. God, I need help. Now, this is true for me. It's probably true for many of us. 
that's super hard if you're proud. If you're proud, it is very difficult to like humble yourself and say, God, I need help. Like if, if you're like me, I tend to be like, do you know what? Let me just try and figure this out on my own. Like I got this. I, I don't need his help. I don't want, maybe some of you are like, oh, I don't want to bother God with like my issues because he's like running the universe, right? That's like, that's pride too. That's, this, that's the same thing as pride. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, that's, I don't need to worry about that. Listen, God loves it when we cry out to him. He loves it when we cry out to him. And to follow Jesus is like, Jesus, I need you. I need help. I want to abide with you. I'm calling out to you. Help me, Lord. First Peter 5, 7, such a good verse. Cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. I think maybe some of us, we need, we need to ask like, what, what does my like soul cry out? What does my soul cry out to when I'm in need? Maybe for some of us, it's like substances on some level. Like, listen, that's my go-to. When I'm stressed, when I'm overwhelmed, when I need help, I go to this thing, this substance. Uh, maybe some of you, it's money. Maybe some of you, it's relation, like another relationship. Like, listen, I need help, so you call a friend. Um, if you're like me, for whatever reason, I, like, I think there's like hope in just worrying and being stressed and being anxious. It's like I'm like taking everything on myself. Like, no, this, my life is crazy. And so I'm just like letting, I'm just sitting in anxiety. And the Lord says, cry out to me. Abide in me. I love answering when my kids call to me. God does not begrudgingly like, oh my gosh, they're, 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 they're in need again. He's like, I love, I love coming for you. Um, I don't know what, what's up with that, sorry. And then, Here's, here's another thing I wanted to, to be honest about. So if, if you were like paying attention when we were reading this, there are, there are some verses that like I noticed and that's, it's one of the reasons why I like, I have a hard time with this chapter, honestly, sometimes. Maybe you notice this question. Here's a question that may come when we read this chapter. Okay, what about when the Psalm says, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. A thousand may fall, but it will not come near you and you will have a long life. Like, maybe you notice that. Like, I think I trust in the Lord, and like, evil has happened to my life. Uh, Like, have you ever felt that way? Like, well, I don't know. It just says, I'm not gonna fear. No arrow's ever gonna strike me. I'm gonna have a long life. This is just what happens when I trust in the Lord. And here's, this is really important. This is super, super important. When, when When we read scripture, it can be like misinterpreted. This is important. Um, this chapter, trip out on this. You, some of you know this. This chapter was quoted by Satan when he was tempting Jesus. Like Satan took scripture and he quoted it to Jesus. And he's like, hey, Jesus. And remember when he was in the desert, he's like, throw yourself off the temple because God says the angels are gonna bear you up and you're not gonna strike your foot against a stone. So Satan quoted these verses. And this is really important because here's the truth. If anybody obeyed this chapter, it was Jesus, right? Jesus spent time with the Lord. He, ab- he ab- what's the past tense of abided? Abided? Abided in the Lord. Um, and, and this is what we know. Jesus died. Evil befell him. He did strike his foot. Not only that, he was like pierced and he died young. So like, what the heck? And not only that, we know Christians, 
experience evil. And we know Christians experience plagues. And we know, I know, we know Christians who have died young. And so how do we understand it when scripture says stuff like this? Listen, you're never gonna, no, no evil is gonna come near you. Um, and here, this is just as important little like truth for when you're reading the Bible and you read something, you're like, this is confusing. I don't understand this. Uh, I know people who the opposite has happened. This is like a super, super important truth. Unclear scriptures. Like when we read something, we don't, it doesn't make sense. Have to be interpreted by clear scriptures, okay? This is just like an important truth. When you read something, you're like, what the heck? Unclear scriptures have to be interpreted in light of clear scriptures. When you don't, something doesn't make sense, go to other things that you know do make sense. That's like the first step. And so we're going to apply that rule to this chapter. How do we make sense of these promises that say you're never going to experience evil, you're going to have a long life, and that's, you're, you're never going to strike your foot against the stone. Uh, here's two important things that the Bible says about this chapter. Number one, this chapter points us to Jesus, and I'll explain that in a second. And number two, this chapter points us to eternity, okay? This is like a little technical, but stick with me. Number one, how do we understand this? Why does it make sense? It points to Jesus because we know Jesus faced evil on the cross. He experienced the ultimate plague. He was even, remember what it says, you're gonna like step on a serpent? He was like stricken by the serpent, like by Satan. Like Satan himself killed Jesus. So how does this make sense? Now listen, uh, Jesus suffered at the hands of all evil and plague and Satan. And then in the, in the process, he, this is awesome. He sheltered you. He sheltered us from evil happening to us, from plagues happening to us, and he defeated it. Jesus suffered, this, this psalm is, is pointing to Jesus and reminding us Jesus actually did suffer. That way we would not experience ultimate evil, ultimate plagues, and ultimate effects. This is crazy. When it, uh, one pastor points out when it talks about God being like this, this hen, um, he said it would almost be heretical if this wasn't in the Bible to, to like say God is like a hen who covers you with his wings because if you've ever felt a chicken, it weighs like nothing and you can break a chicken wing like nothing. It's just like vulnerable. And here's the point. God, the, the only protection a mother hen makes for its kids, for its chicks, is it's, it, it keeps them cool and it keeps them safe from the wind and water only by suffering itself, right? Like it's not like, a safe structure where it doesn't get affected. The only way a mother hen affects and saves his kids is like, here, I'll take the heat, I'll take the rain, I'll take the wind, and you'll be safe. And that is a picture of Jesus on the cross. He weakened himself to be like this hen, and he suffered ultimate evil and ultimate plagues and the strike of the serpent so that we could be sheltered from it and delivered from it. Now, number two, this is, that's like half the answer, but here's, here's, this is important too. This chapter points us to eternity, okay? It has to be read in light of eternity, which means this. There, because of Jesus, there is coming a day when you will be able to like read this psalm and it will be absolutely unequivocally true, okay? Listen, there's gonna come a day when you will be able to say, I am fully safe, from any snare or trap or disease. Listen, there is coming a day where you will be able to say, I, I don't have to fear terror anymore. I don't have to fear an arrow that's gonna like strike me. 
a thousand may fall on my left and my right, but I'm never going to fall. There's coming a day when you are going to be able to say, no evil shall befall me. No plague will ever come near my tent. I will never again strike my foot on a stone. I'm never going to like stub my toe. And I will have fully treaded on the serpent. And I will have eternal life and be satisfied with the salvation of the Lord. Because Jesus suffered, this will be true for eternity. No evil will ever be able to come. Like, you're going to be safe. Your tent, your house, whatever in heaven, Satan can't like sneak up to you and, and do something bad. Because of what Jesus suffered, we will be ultimately and eternally safe because of Jesus. And so when we read a scripture like this, you're like, no evil is going to come. And then like, I get sick or, or, or some tragedy happens. What this psalm is saying is, listen, ultimately, ultimately, you will be safe because of Jesus. And Jesus suffered all of these things so that I will ultimately be safe. And so this isn't saying you're never going to get sick, you're never going to die young, but it is saying, listen, if you get sick and die young, all it's going to do is speed up the moment where you're safe forever because of Jesus. Jesus says this crazy thing in Luke where he's like, listen, they're going to persecute you and kill you. And then he says, and not one hair of your head will perish. Like, what is he, what? They're going to persecute you and kill you but not one hair of your head will perish. What Jesus is saying is, listen, we like him will suffer. We'll like carry a cross and life will, will be suffering on some level, but ultimately it'll be like not a single hair of our head will perish. Paul refers to all the suffering in your life. Everything that has ever happened that, that is miserable and horrible and evil, he says, compared to eternity, that's light and momentary. Just Think about the worst things that we've experienced and and maybe will experience. It's light and momentary because of Christ and because of eternity and because things will be so amazing and right and good again when we are with him in eternity. And so this psalm isn't saying, listen, you're never gonna stub your toe for the next few years, but in eternity, you will be safe forever. And then here's the last thing I wanna say about abiding from Psalm 91. To abide is ultimately to abide in in the blood of Jesus. That is what abiding ultimately has to mean. This metaphor of I'm gonna like make God my home, my shelter. I wanna cling to him. I wanna hold fast to him is seen most clearly and importantly on the cross where Jesus suffered like a mother hen so that we would be safe. Uh, You guys remember the, the story of Passover? where they would kill a lamb and put the blood on the shelter and they were safe that death, the enemy would pass over them. That's, that's the picture of what it means to abide. Like, are you abiding in the blood of Jesus? Is the blood of Jesus like over your life? Like, are you safe because of the blood of Jesus? Because, man, we're gonna, Jesus calls us to do some hard stuff and to follow him and obey him and serve him and sacrifice and love people. But, but, Following Jesus isn't mainly what you do for Jesus. It's about what Jesus has done for you, that he shed his blood for you, that he has died for you. And he simply says, come, abide in me. Abide in my protection. Abide in the blood of Jesus. Because if you hide in the blood of Jesus, you are safe from any accusation of Satan. You are safe from death. You are safe from the wrath of God. You are safe from having to pay the price of your sins because you are abiding in the blood of Jesus. 
I love verse four. It says, his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. The blood of Jesus over you is a shield and a buckler. You're safe if you are covered and abiding in the blood of Jesus. And so uh, as we like move to worship, we're just gonna do like the most important thing. We're gonna abide with him. We're gonna, we're gonna so right now, like make your home in him, like hide in him, like just nestle into his presence. Number two, remember, hold fast to him. If you're like struggling, if you're doubting, like hold fast to him. We're gonna have a prayer team, two people right over here. They're gonna be like kind of hidden. So you're gonna have to go find them. Like be like, hey, I'm struggling. Like I, I have this doubt. I have this thing in my life. Help me hold fast to him. Maybe you guys need to just like reach out to one another. Hold fast to him. And number three, like what we said, it is like, let's cry out in worship to Jesus. Um, maybe some of you right now like are facing evil, are facing sin, are facing a, a hard situation. Like cry out. He will respond to you. And ultimately like right now, let's remember that if you put your trust in him, you are covered like right now. You are covered in the blood of Jesus. You are not condemned for your sin. You are forgiven. You are safe. And so let's cling to the blood of Jesus. Listen, if some of you guys, like, like we all experience, like I experience, are struggling with the sin, confess it. You're covered in the blood of Jesus. Like you're safe. Like you don't need to be hiding outside of safety in the dark. Like confess it. Come back. Like cover, be covered in the blood of Jesus. Like confess it. Get that in the open because Jesus says, abide in me. I, I, abide in my blood. I love you. I know you're a sinner. That's why I came and died for you. Confess it and abide in my love. Abide in my blood. So I'm going to pray for us. We're just going to spend some time doing the most important thing, clinging, holding, worshiping, calling out to Jesus. Jesus, you, are, you have been so good to us. And thank you that the most important thing that we can do is to simply like be with you and cling to you, hold fast to you, call out to you, like abide in your love, abide in your blood. Lord, I pray that for those of us who are, are just struggling, maybe with doubt, maybe with sin, maybe we're just feeling far from you, Lord, would we, would we abide in your presence? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would help us to abide in you and with you tonight. That we wouldn't be embarrassed or too proud to like nestle up into you and be with you and be in your presence, Lord. God, that we would humble ourselves, that we would abide in the blood, that we'd be covered in the blood of Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you, you suffered the worst plague and the worst evil and the serpent struck you and you died. That we, if we trust in you, we would be safe for all of eternity. Holy Spirit, would you just strike us afresh with your love for us? Would you help us tonight to abide in you, to worship you, take communion, thank you, remember what you've done for us, God, that if we need prayer, that we would get prayer. We would humble ourselves, be it on the carpet, wherever we need to go. We abide in you right now, Jesus. This is what you require of us more than anything else. We would sit at your feet. We would sit at your feet, Lord. We trust everything else will flow from that. Help us to abide with you now.